Welcome to Biblical Tapestry Podcast Season 2, Episode 14 on the Book of Daniel, The Writing on the Wall, Part 1. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the Gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. In this 14th episode in the Book of Daniel, Chapter 5, we see Nebuchadnezzar has passed from the scene and his grandson, Belshazzar, was now acting as co-regent with his father, Abinidus. Belshazzar did not learn the lessons of humility before Yahweh or honored God and his sovereignty. And we pick up in Daniel chapter 5, starting in verse 1. King Belshazzar had a great feast for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine in their presence. Under the influence of the wine, Belshazzar gave orders to bring in the gold and silver vessels that his predecessor Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, wives and concubines, could drink from them. So they brought in the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, wives and concubines, drank from them. They drank the wine and praised their gods made of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. At that moment, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and began writing on the plaster of the king's palace wall next to the lampstand. As the king watched, the hand was writing. He watched the hand that was writing. His face turned pale, and his thoughts so terrified him that he soiled himself and his knees knocked together. The king shouted to bring in the mediums, Chaldeans, and diviners. He said to these wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this inscription and gives me its interpretation will be clothed in purple, have a gold chain around his neck, and have the third highest position in the kingdom. So all the king's wise men came in, but none could read the inscription or make its interpretation known to him. Then King Belshazzar became even more terrified. His face turned pale and his nobles were bewildered. Because of the outcry of the king and his nobles, the queen came to the banquet hall. May the king live forever, she said. Don't let your thoughts terrify you or your face be pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has a spirit of the holy gods in him. In the days of your predecessor, he was found to have insight, intelligence, and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods. Your predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the magicians, mediums, Chaldeans, and diviners. Your own predecessor, the king, did this because Daniel, the one the king named Belteshazzar, was found to have an extraordinary spirit, knowledge, and intelligence, and the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems. Therefore, summon Daniel, and he will give the interpretation. All right, back to verse 1. King Belshazzar held a great feast for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine in their presence. So who exactly is King Belshazzar? For a long time, no one knew as Nabonidus was known to be the last king of Babylon. But now we have abundant evidence available to us now that not only did Belshazzar live, but he was the co-regent of his father, Nabonidus. Nabonidus spent most of his time in the southern part of the kingdom in Tima. This left the crown prince in charge of the empire. 
Nabonidus is offhandedly mentioned in this narrative, but not named specifically as he was not involved. The fact that the offer of the third highest position in the, in the land denotes that there is another, in this case it would have been Nabonidus. The fact that the narrative says that Nebuchadnezzar was Belshazzar's father is not a direct implication, but being a descendant, he was a descendant of Nebuchadnezzar. We see in verse 1 that this great banquet was held for 1,000 of the nobles of the kingdom, and this was pretty much a drunken party of those who benefited from the kingdom. Now this was a common occurrence in these times in many cultures. Both the Greek historians Herodotus and Xenophon testify that there was a great banquet being held the night that Babylon fell. Sometimes the king was hidden from the guests during such events, but not this time. Belshazzar was front and center, leading the drunken charge for all the guests. Now the timing is quite, quite interesting because the Persian armies were camped outside the city and just outside the gates. Why then would you be throwing a party? Were they confident in the ability to withstand a siege? Were they celebrating perhaps a coronation of Belshazzar as the king? Were they celebrating a normal holiday or event? Or was this a last gasp of a desperate kingdom to ignore the chaos outside the gates? We just don't have enough information. Verse 2. Under the influence of the wine, Belshazzar gave orders to bring in the gold and silver vessels that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, wives and concubines, could drink from them. So while Belshazzar was leading the party, he gives the orders to bring out the gold and silver vessels that were taken from the temple in Jerusalem to now be used as wine goblets. You know, you would think that a superstitious polytheistic empire would keep away from desecrating such things. However, the verse alludes to the drunken nature of the request to bring all those items out, not only to be used by the guests, but to be used to toast to the gods of the Babylonians. Verse 3 and 4, So they brought in the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple, the house of God, in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, wives, and concubines drank from them. They drank the wine and praised their gods made of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Well, this showed extreme dishonor to Yahweh to take these dedicated items from the temple in the first place and now use them in such ways. Why would Belshazzar choose to challenge and blaspheme the God of Israel so specifically? Why at this moment? Why at this time? Surely there were other beautiful objects from other cultures that were available, and maybe they were used as well. If he was aware of the past of Nebuchadnezzar, how Yahweh had humbled Nebuchadnezzar, was he thumbing his nose at God, saying that nothing was going to happen to him? You know, Babylon was about to fall, and it would fall that night. And it was predicted by Scripture, and it was about to be fulfilled. 150 years prior to this event, Isaiah had prophesied in chapter 44, verse 
24 of Isaiah through chapter 45, verse 1. This is what the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb, says. I am the Lord who made everything, who stretches out the heavens by myself, who alone spread out the earth, who destroys the omens of the false prophets and makes fools of diviners, who confounds the wise and makes their knowledge foolishness, who confirms the message of his servant, fulfills the counsel of his messengers, who says to Jerusalem, she will be inhabited, and to the cities of Judah, they will be rebuilt, and I will restore her ruins, who says to the depths of the sea, be dry, and I will dry up your rivers, who says to Cyrus, my shepherd, he will fulfill all my pleasure, and says to Jerusalem, she will be rebuilt, and of the temple, its foundation will be laid. The Lord says to Cyrus, his anointed, whose right hand I have grasped, to subdue nations before him and disarm kings, to open doors before him and even city gates that will not be shut. Well, guess who's just outside the gates of Babylon with the armies of Cyrus, the king of Persia? Verse 5. At that moment, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and began writing on the plaster of the king's palace wall next to the lampstand. As the king watched the hand that was writing, his face turned pale and his thoughts so terrified him that he soiled himself and his knees knocked together. Well, in the midst of this drunken blasphemous party, the room became full of fear as the fingers of a human hand began to write on the wall. Now this was not a vision, but a direct message to all at the banquet. The message remained on the wall to be interpreted by God's man in Babylon once again. It was being written on a section of wall next to a lampstand, so it would be seen by everyone. The message was written on the white plaster of the wall of the palace as chalk was used to create the plaster. Several excavations in Babylon from 1899 onward have revealed a white-walled throne room. No writing instrument was mentioned, so this may have been just the fingers miraculously writing this pronouncement. Belshazzar was watching the message and responded with absolute utter terror. His face turned pale, his knees were weakened, perhaps he fell on his knees in panic as guilt and terror filled him. We will not mention the fact that he apparently soiled himself in this state of fear. The word in Aramaic, soiled himself, literally means his loins went slack. Verse 7, the king shouted to bring in the mediums, Chaldeans, and diviners. He said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this inscription and gives me its interpretation will be clothed in purple, have a gold chain around his neck, and have the third highest position in the kingdom. So the king shouts out in panic to bring the advisors, including all the mediums, diviners, and Chaldeans, the mystical counselors of the kingdom, to explain this message. He was shouting loudly and emphatically. When the advisors came, he offered them the third place in the kingdom that would last only one night, <laughs> if they could describe the message. Well, they didn't know it was going to last one night, but it would. They would be the person who could read the message or explain it 
will be clothed in purple, as purple was a color associated with royalty in the ancient world. The gold chain was worn by people of rank and only worn if presented by the king. And being the third highest rank in the kingdom was the highest honor that the co-regent, Belshazzar, had the ability to confer. But as before, when God spoke through dreams and not writing, the wise men were unable to make the interpretation. Verse 8. So all the king's wise men came in, but none could read the inscription or make its interpretation known to him. Then King Belshazzar became even more terrified. His face turned pale, and his nobles were bewildered. Because the wise men were unable to help Belshazzar, became even more terrified and very much stressed out. The nobles were also baffled to what this all meant. The writing was in Aramaic, which was the language of commerce at the time, so it was not like anyone could not read the message. It was they could not comprehend the meaning of the message. Verse 10, Because of the outcry of the king and his nobles, the queen came into the banquet hall. May the king live forever, she said. Don't let your thoughts terrify you or your face be pale. So the word of the issue, this writing on the wall, now reaches the queen. Who is queen? Well, the text already tells us the wives of the king were already present back in verse 2. This queen arrives uninvited and seems to take some command of the situation when she does arrive. Most commentators since the first century see this queen as the queen mother. In other words, either the queen of Nabonidus or perhaps the queen of Nebuchadnezzar, the grandmother of Belshazzar. If she was the wife of Nebuchadnezzar, then she would have been the daughter of Nebuchadnezzar, perhaps the famous Nitocris. She obviously knew and had observed Daniel in the past and had known about his ministry. Verse 11, There is a man in your kingdom who has a spirit of the holy gods in him. In the days of your predecessor, he was found to have insight, intelligence, and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods. Your predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the magicians, mediums, Chaldeans, and diviners. Your own predecessor, the king, did this because Daniel, the one the king named Belteshazzar, was found to have an extraordinary spirit, knowledge, and intelligence, and the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems. Therefore, summon Daniel, and he will give the interpretation. So what does the queen mother know about Daniel? Well, that he has the spirit of the holy gods, in this case, the one true God, Yahweh. His intelligence, insight, and wisdom was what the situation needed. Now, Daniel had been placed over all the wise men of the kingdom by Nebuchadnezzar. He could explain dreams. He could solve problems that seemed to be impossible. It was also fascinating, for the first time in the book of Daniel, a member of the Babylonian court calls Daniel by his Hebrew name, Daniel, and not Belteshazzar. This may mean she had encountered Daniel and respected his abilities and where he had come from. Now, Nebuchadnezzar at this time had been dead for about 23 years, and Belshazzar may have had no encounters with Daniel, and Daniel may have no longer and probably likely was no longer in charge or the overseer of positions for the wise men that he had once occupied. 
He may very well have been retired from public activities, as when Nebuchadnezzar died, he would have been approaching 60, and now at this time, he would be approaching 80 years old. So they call him in to interpret what is going on. Well, again, hope you enjoy the season two study in the book of Daniel. Next episode 15 in chapter 5, we will continue to study Daniel's interpretation of this writing on the wall, as in part two of this study. God bless you today, and I encourage you to spend some time in God's Word. Please note that Biblical Tapestry has a Facebook and Instagram page, and I encourage you to like and share this podcast if you feel that this is deserved. God bless and take care.